Welcome back to another episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Joey. Hi. Mike. Hey. And Tom. Hi, Russ. And I wanted to bring up uh, a topic or a question that kind of came up at a conference I recently attended in New Mexico, um, where it was a discussion about making room, the topic, the title was Making Room for Boys in their kind of play, the bigger, more boisterous play. And Kenneth Sherman, um, who from, I know, Mike, you have a connection to him. I'm not, I can't remember his exact affiliation. Yeah, so he works for High Scope and as a trainer and consultant. He worked in their... Um, uh, their demonstration preschool for a while. Yeah. And now I think he might do some lab school yeah, he, in Texas. He was mentioning he just left the classroom, but he's doing more of this consulting. But he brought up the he brought up this topic and starts off with this question of, you know, what words come to mind when boys? And maybe I'll do that right here. When you quickly, the first few words that come to mind. So first word that comes to when you hear kind of boys. Rambunctious. That's hard for me because I so often think about, try to make sure I'm thinking about all boys. So there's right. very... I can't think of one word that would describe it. Right. Um, so there's a non-answer. Okay. In other words, Joey, you want to throw one out there? Uh, stereotypically, I would say that I think it could be uh, loud play, mm-hmm. high arousal play. Again, not 100% of voice, but I think when you're just getting a snap, snap answer. Right. And I think that was, Mike, I kind of had the same wrestling because of this podcast and because of our discussions. And I think we all uh, probably have that same internal, but it was very quick where it was loud, rambunctious, superheroes, unsafe injury and there was a lot of that negative right. that came up and um well they were saying it as an in a sense that that, yeah. that it has that feeling and not everybody feels that loud or rambunction necessarily has that uh, that challenge too but i think it, it it had the tone of being more challenging nervous as the adult and you know my i wanted to add similarly that their plays caring that they're thoughtful that you know there's sometimes there's, they're quiet they're quiet they're healthy <laughs> and that we had this kind of more and and Kenneth actually brought that in saying you know I noticed you know who said this who said this did anybody say caring and it was my diet you know dyad that I was with or we raised our hands because and I had that feeling so I kind of that was where this is kind of going with this long intro but we have seemingly we know that it's typically in research ba- backed that it's bigger it's louder to some degree but I wonder if that's really true or if it's something that we're looking at or where we kind of encourage the stereotype so kind of your thoughts about that i think it's so tricky because it's it, you know it's like stereotypes exist like you said because you, you can do research you can say but what well, i won't i won't pretend to be saying something you can say most boys or uh, i don't know if mm-hmm. i'd say a majority of boys so that's where you do get these kind of broad generalizations right that right. boys play might be more active there might be there might be more movement involved um in in their play they might be using you know physically moving more as they play, but also then there's anecdotally, you know, our experience in in the classroom, right? You feel like, oh, I have this kind of like history of experience with, again, not 100% of all right. boys, not every boy, but you know, you, you have a kind of idea of, of what boys play sort of looks like and what girls play sort of looks like. Not that it's 100% of each one, but one trend that I'd like to throw out there and we can table it because I don't need to dominate the, the conversation, but I do think that there's something about a lot of boys, I won't mm-hmm. say all, um, takes up a lot of space, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's how they traverse the room or even just in the noise that they create while they play, take invading space. I've seen loud girls. I've seen girls who run all around. It's not, right. it's not but by and large, I feel like boy play can take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's a, just an interesting element of it. Not, not, and again, I'll say it a million times, not every boy. Not. Yep. Yeah, and for me, what I know of the research, the numbers that come up over and over, sort of 20% 
of boys, like in terms of elementary school boys, 20% of boys only play with other boys and to play rough. Mm. And then 80% kind of have this mix. Yeah. And um, what a lot of the studies show is that when you take the most boisterous kids or loud kids, it's almost invariable. But, so it's not even a majority of boys. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, it's just the highest point on the but scale. But the highest point of the scale. So there's to like, be more boys. Yeah, so there's right. a certain number of boys who mm -hmm. um, right. take up that energy or that focus that teachers notice. But if you look at a majority of boys, mm -hmm. they're kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, they might get loud sometimes, just like girls get loud sometimes. But they're the things that we notice. And that's, I think, where the stereotype comes from. The other thing that has come up in more than one research article that I've seen is... The difference in either gender, if you're just looking at boys and girls as a binary, the difference between one girl, like the quietest girl and the loudest girl, is bigger than girls to boys. Kind of use statistics and balance it out. So it's that yeah. thing of depending Wait, how you, you... Yeah, so... Just make that... So... Say that again. There's more... Here, this is maybe the way I should say it. There's more variation within a gender uh -huh. than between. there is between the genders. Uh-huh. So if you like sort of statistically, whatever, get a mean of, of, of how you're measuring characteristics it. Yeah. like rough and tumble play, loudness. Right, right. That's yeah. Right. Okay. So you're going to have really quiet boys and really going to have quiet, maybe not quite as loud girls as the boys, but still kind of loud. And that's a bigger gap if you just randomly chose one girl and one mm -hmm. boy and compared them. That girl might be more active. Or, mm -hmm. um, but again, when you take the top half, there's only there was one study in the early 70s where they found girls were more active. Mm. And even the researcher sort of said, this doesn't fit any of the other research. It must be an anomaly. We somehow, whatever. And they, they really wouldn't take it as anything but an anomaly. I thought mm. it was interesting because... I don't know. I bet there's a class. Where it's true. Right. You know, <laughs> right. but it's just that funny thing of like, it's so ingrained Such that I think yeah. even the researcher couldn't take their own statistics seriously. Yeah. So I just showed a picture to some teachers of three boys all in rough and, and almost to a teacher. They said we could not because that's just too dangerous, even though they could see everybody. Would. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I could ever come up with a picture of girls wrestling. I have mm -hmm. those, but that's you I think, but I wonder if what would the reactions be on a kind of just a cold presentation of what do you think about this three boys wrestling? What do you think about this three girls wrestling? What's going to feel more comfortable, or what's what well, are your and, initial? And would, would an audience think? And again, <sighs> it's layered because the audience is the audience men or is the audience women. Right. But would the audience think those three girls are hugging, those three girls yeah. are tickling, those three boys are fighting? Right. Yeah. You know, the, what, what are the true. what are the actions? The you cover of my book is two girls tackling each other. Right. And I don't think most people look at it and they're tackling, hugging each other horizontally. On the ground. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. yeah. Just sort of what action you you ascribe yeah. to a, an image. There's an implicit yeah. gender bias. Mm -hmm. So so that's where I kind of with that implicit gender bias that do how much do we do that for boys and their their play mm -hmm. and how much are we projecting our own concerns worries or get stereotypes that well the boys are in the back okay we know it's going to get loud i might as well stop it now before we get mm -hmm. to that point point. and again knowing as we've talked about in previous episodes what kind of detriment we do or what are we actually stopping when we're there because we don't want to have that few minutes of maybe more boisterous kind of big body rough and tumble-esque kind of stuff to get into deepening relationships and emotional confidence and creative storylines and things like that. Well, I'm thinking too, another angle of looking at it that I haven't done is if there's a way to find out sort of what children think of boys playing and mm. girls play. No, very true. Um, because, you know, as, as you were talking about being loud, I thought, oh, you know, the test of that is sort of, you know, well, are the kids being bothered? Mm -hmm. You know, do I need to stop it? Well, maybe the classroom's okay with it. But it's also like maybe a group of children's been, I'll say, come to expect a certain thing. They've sort of right. been worn down or like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just the, 
I don't know, it's just the girls taking over the loft again because that's what they always do. Right. You know, that's their space. Uh, you know, like, the, you know, is there like a seeding of territory that boys mm-hmm. and girls do with each other right. in a classroom? And when, what do they think? You know, what are their own um, right. assumptions? And again, I just, I just sort of wonder about. So there's, there's a very good book, mm. uh, Vivian Gus Paley, mm-hmm. about superheroes Del- in the, the Doll Corner. Yeah. In the Doll Corner and yeah. how, uh, the, in some ways, the Doll Corner is just the girls and they rule and they rule in certain ways and they, they complain when they can't play with the boys in superhero play, but then the boys complain that, no, we can't play superheroes in the house because the girls have... Right, they're, they, they're recognizing these different territorial mm-hmm. yeah, spaces. I, you know, you said you said something about implicit, and um, I don't know if we question our implicit, especially especially in this area, whether it's going to be a play of boys or the girl, and isn't implicit biases we don't even know. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. They're yeah. Not, they're yeah. Not, how do you question it? Because you don't even know you're a- operating with it. Yeah. So how do you find those biases? Right. I mean, probably one of the way was was the way Kenneth did it in the presentation down mm-hmm. in New Mexico is just ask. What do you think of right. when you think right. of boy? And that actually has to do with Walter Gilliam's last research on the um, implicit bias, and it was looking at race. But most teachers, um, so he showed the video, I think we talked about it in a past podcast, showed a video, told the teachers that were watching it that there was some challenge of behaviors, and then they were actually doing eye scans to see which child they were looking at. And there was yeah. a black boy, black girl, white boy at a table, none of whom were showing any challenge of behavior. But they were watching the eye scans, mm. and the black boy was the one watched the most the yep. black girl was watched second in the white white girl yeah but when interviewed the teachers all said well i probably do watch the boys more than the girls so they did where they were somewhat aware of their implicit bias right. like if you said okay here's the classroom where do you place yourself to make sure everyone's okay like well i'm gonna go by those boys over there you know because mm-hmm. they're jumping up and down or but yeah i think it's trying to make it not implicit and to me there's some ways you can do that like i started doing just a Every so often I do a tally sheet, like how many boys are in the, what I call the pretend area, and how many girls are, how many are in the you know block area, and just kind of tallied that for a while, and then thought, well, what could I change around that might switch it? You had a blog post know, years ago now where you even talked about the gender of the space, didn't you? I don't remember. Or is that somebody else's? I don't remember. I thought it was you. <laughs> just talking about, like, here's... You know, a dramatic play area, what do you think? Is it inviting certain type of play that's more stereotypically girl or boy? You know, and here's this and just kind of... And you didn't you didn't answer it. You just asked it. Okay. Um, yeah. Because that's how brilliant you are. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I do think there is something about, like, just I think doing some I, of that and realizing there must be some implicit bias that mm-hmm. this is happening. I might have done that, but I think I, I tried to say... You know, the way the room was set up or the areas were set up, it it didn't, it wasn't gender. Yeah, I think you might, because what you did, I think you showed bedrooms too, and you kind of compared the way like bedrooms are really heavily gendered versus the classroom. That wasn't me. That wasn't you. I don't get into bedrooms. Time to take the credit for you. Yeah, Yeah. that was a great idea. (laughs) It was great, man. But I think that's, you know, to kind of maybe that's the the, the culmination of this discussion for this episode is that that to ask yourself these questions, we're not saying there's really any answer other than maybe ask yourself what words come up or what images when you see and think of boy play, girl play. Boys, toys, girl toys, boys areas, girls, girls areas, and do we really need to? I think we we've kept it so binary mm-hmm. for so long, and maybe that's kind of the encouragement of just trying to really reduce that overall. That it's these are spaces for children, these are games for children. Is yeah. the play and learning of children rather than it being one or the other? And you know, maybe that tally sheet should be more about when do I say stop? When do I stop kids from right. doing something? Because that would be the most interesting right. to me. Because are you doing ones that fit your own experience mm-hmm. as a four-year-old 
And are you saying no more to the types well, of play that a, don't fit? A colleague in? of mine used to just sort of, again, it's just like a question. She would ask me, like, you know, so we'll go and we'll rush down to maybe stop or interfere when a, I'll say, a group of boys is playing superhero or, you know, holding sticks as guns or whatever it might be. But, like, who's ever stopped a, gr- a group of girls from, from sweeping? Right. Right. You know, I mean, just yeah. like, and Whoa. you might be, un- you know, and you might be uncomfortable that all these boys are playing out these stereotypes of, you know, right. you know men and violence and this, that right. and the other. But like, oh, as long as the girls are kind of being yeah. quiet and well behaved, we're not even going to even look at Or even I've seen girls like throw the doll in the pot there, you know, pretending to cook the doll. And <laughs> I still don't see like teachers like, oh, my God, we got to stop that. Right. Yeah. So because it's still kind of whatever. Yeah, so where, where are you as a teacher feeling like you are needed to interfere yeah. or not interfere? Yeah. I guess that's not the right word. Intervene, thank you, is the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then who who's there? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then and then just question yourself: Is this? Did I really have to stop it, or am well, I stopping and, it and because I'm not comfortable? And to go back to that thing, you, the study you were citing earlier, are you taking the outlier behavior and applying yeah. it to to the that whole gender in your classroom? Right. You know, my mm-hmm. my best behaved quote unquote child is whoever a girl or a boy, and right. so you're putting that onto that whole gender. Yeah. And my hardest kid is X. I mean, I think that that mm-hmm. you take the outlier and apply it. Yeah. And that I mean, just to your point about implicit bias, Tom, I think that's where some of that comes from. Just sort of yeah. paint in really broad strokes. So I think that's the the invitation to the listeners is to ask those questions. Mm-hmm to explore those and, and i'll put a plug in for mike your book for embracing rough and tumble play to help people get through that that kind of question and maybe to help break down some of those stereotypes and really kind of see what's really going on thanks everybody for contributing and we'll see you next week thanks, thanks. yeah thanks thank you for listening to teaching with the body and bond we'll be back again next week with another episode music is by big wheel popcorn <laughs>